0: Hi, this is Brian from Pen Pen Pals with another content warning. This week's episode deals with themes of divorce and separation. Pop culture can be a vehicle to process our own experiences, but if it's not for you, then please join us next week for Fully Cooly Baseball. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to
1: Pen Pen Pals season putty for episode three, Maquis de Carabas uh this is alex and uh you're joined by our other two hosts
2: hey i'm ben brian
1: and this week we have uh, i don't know about fan favorite but host favorite uh, returning guest from season one uh nate hi everybody <laughs> how have things been going with you nate is there uh i know your, your security job's crazy <laughs> oh yeah that was
3: uh well, was supposed to be just a nice smooth easy week ended up being very stressful but this past weekend, it's, it hasn't been half bad. I think I'm a little bit calmer now, like after everything is all done. I'm feeling pretty good. So yeah, living. <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> um, we're excited to have you back to talk about this show. Is this your first time watching FL or have you seen it in the past? What's your experience? So
3: this was on Tunali back in the day. At first, I
1: wasn't really interested in it when it first
3: first came on. But then someone showed me a music video, like an AMV of this, to It's a Fine Day. And I've been hooked ever mm. since.
0: It's a fine day. Fine da, da, day. Da, da, da.
3: Yeah, that song.
0: <laughs> I used to dance to
3: that. It's a, it's a dope song. <laughs> but someone made an AMV to it, and it was, it was incredible.
0: Can you explain what an AMV is for the members of the audience that don't know?
3: Yes, an AMV is an animated music video, which is, I guess, still kind of big now. People still make them. Back in the day, it was using a Windows Movie Maker and trying to rip stuff off of uh, YouTube like in the early days. Now it's, it's full blown.
0: There's like competitions for it, isn't there? It's my favorite thing to do at a, a convention is the uh, AMD Awards, whether it's Otakon or Katsukon.
2: Yeah, and, and so it's kind of like fan-made music videos, right? So you'll take a song that you like and an anime that you like and then put clips of that anime to go along with the music of the song.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember uh the one that hit me the hardest was uh The Distance by Cake set to Macross Plus. Yeah. <laughs> He's going the distance. That was
2: solid AMV. Yeah. <laughs> This buddy, I, I have one in my head too. It's actually it's another FLCL one to a uh, perfect drug, the nine inch nail song.
1: Oh my gosh! Wait, did we see that together at? I, th- I think we saw it one? at
2: Articon and then like found it online. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm gonna be the sentimental
0: one and say that I love any AMV that uses your name or a silent voice. But on a more serious note, it's it's hard to find. Uh, the next anime to get invested in, you know, because most of it has to do with like the three episode rule. But um, watching uh, AMVs, it's a good way for me to get sold on a a show, even though they might contain a lot of spoilers.
3: Oh, yeah. Half the time, I don't even know what's going on. It's just like, this song's dope. This animation's awesome. Uh Uh-huh.
0: So I'm a sucker for like the really moving music and anime people crying. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to watch that anime. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think Alex also wants to ask this, but what's the three episode rule? Read my mind. You watch the first three episodes of an anime and then decide
0: if it's going to be something that you're going to invest in for 24 or whatever episodes. Uh, it's it's not a hmm. perfect system.
3: No, no, it's five for me. Yeah. If you don't have me within five episodes, I am I am not finishing it.
0: I don't use it, really. Um, I go by a three recommendation rule. Like, if I've got three trusted sources that I'll say, hey, like, Overlord is awesome, then even if I don't enjoy it for the first three to five episodes, I'll usually
2: commit.
1: Sounds like a strong system.
0: It's worked out so far. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so right before we started recording, Alex, you're saying that... Uh, This is one of your your favorites.
1: Yeah, so I remember really liking this episode when we first watched it, probably just because of the focus on Nina Mori. First of all, purple hair, glasses, super cool. Confident young person, super cool. Terrible parents, also super cool. (laughs) And this time... I liked it even more because she has this USSR shirt and I, had, I didn't have the link to communism that I have now in my life. And I didn't understand the references either. Like since, or since we were going to do this episode, I did research a little bit just to figure out what the name meant because I didn't look into it when I was younger. And it's from Puss in Boots, uh, this really old fable. And the Marquis de Carabas is a fictional title made up by Puss in Boots to ingratiate his master to the local king. So like his master doesn't have, he's not a nobleman. He doesn't have a title, but Puss in Boots creates this one to ingratiate himself.
2: And, and the Marquis de Car- Carabas, that's the name of this episode, episode three.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think we'll see in the episode that it, it, it kind of mirror that structure of the Puss in Boots leading the Marquis de Carabas into a world of adventure and fantasy because Nina More will take on that role of the Marquis de Carabas and Nauta will unwittingly take on the role of Puss in Boots.
3: Yeah, my when I when I heard the name for the first time, I didn't know about it being Puss in Boots. I I remember the Marquis de Carabas from Neverwhere.
0: The Carabas
3: at your service. I don't know if you guys Oh, read. Neil Gaiman. Yeah, by Neil Gaiman. There's a character named uh, Marquis de Carabas, and he does the same thing. He leads the characters like through the underworld and helps uh, Dor find her bodyguard.
0: I might have to excuse myself. This is a much more highbrow than I was. <laughs> I was thinking of the Marquis of Nuts from Adventure Time.
1: <laughs> What's that? <laughs> is that? Is he crazy and craving nuts all the
0: time? Yes, he is.
1: Fantastic.
0: <laughs> I guess I'll stick around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. Okay.
1: I didn't really have anything else before we start. Do you guys want to watch the episode and then discuss? Sure. Sure.
3: You handled that well. The mayor was worried you'd be upset, but you listened very calmly. I guess. Anyway, this is between the two of them. You're very mature. It's impressive. When I was your age, I didn't understand things like this. If they both want to split up, then there's really nothing I can do about it. Well, that's very level-headed of you. Don't worry, I won't do anything to ruin your father's reputation.
2: I promise. It's okay, I'm not worried. You seem like a smart secretary. You slept
3: over last night, but you put on a different suit this morning. Well, well, that's very observant. And, uh, you have extra clothes too. Why is that? It's a costume for the school play. I got the lead role.
2: It ate curry. Where did it go? Ah! Ah, car! Still paying off the loan. I think that's a little Evangelion reference. They're like still paying off the loan, like Masate's car. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's, that's awesome. so sad. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in this episode. I agree. That's the thing with Guy Next, man. They do not spoon feed you. It's the same guys from Evangelion.
3: This is yeah, their show. Correct. There's, there's some like similarities, like in some of the animation, like that when they kick the robot through the uh, the roof, those little black marks that pop up for like the damage. It looks something like <laughs> this. That's I remember from Evangelion that I thought it looked familiar. Like, kind of looks like. Oh, we can't Uh, see it because of your background (laughs) thing. God
0: damn it! It's all cosmic (laughs) in the universe.
2: Censorship. (laughs) uh... Yeah, that's
0: Gynex property, man.
3: Nope, you stop that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we start this episode with uh, Nina Mori, Eri Nina Mori, who is the daughter of the the mayor of the town or city or whatever we're calling this, uh, Mabase. And she's in a car with her father's secretary. And the secretary is like commending her on how mature she is for her age because we can garner from this conversation that her parents are probably getting a divorce and that she, at least on the surface level, saying, well, I don't don't think think it's it's a very big big deal. That's her... Go-to line for the entire episode. It's wonderful, but as we go through the episode, we realize that it is a very big deal. She's just very good at hiding her emotions. She's had a lot of training at this point because we realize later that she very much wants her parents to be together, even if it's just symbolically, like in her sight.
3: I like how she's like super excited about the being in the play. It's just really cute how she says it in the car. She's like, "I got the lead role." Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I totally Every agree, because she's legal. deadpan up to that yeah. point, right?
3: She's yeah, super
1: if you want to get her. someone excited, yeah, ask them a question.
3: I got the lead
1: role. It's like, good for you, kid. Baller. And she's excited about it even though she cheated, yeah. <laughs> right? She didn't audition for it. They all voted, but... Well, she made sure she got that role. Look, she's the mayor's kid. She knows how power works, okay? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta tweak it a little bit. The secretary seems to be not a role model for her, but kind of in the same vein. She's very performative. She knows when to let her emotions out in public and when to keep them down. So the two of them are actually quite similar. Although Nina Mori does not really like her.
0: They also both wear costumes at some point. Oh,
1: that's baller. Yeah, she shows up running from the paparazzi the next scene. Yeah, cool.
0: And if I'm not jumping ahead too much, I feel like part of the theme is uh, everyone is an actor in some way.
1: Mm. We're always playing roles for each other.
0: Make it, so you make it. It's a great
1: theme for the episode. Thesis statement.
2: So so I guess after this scene with Nina Mori and her father's secretary, then we go to um, to waking up to the sounds of a Vespa revving. You know, he goes outside before going to school and sees... Um, Haruko out there trying to to fix up the Vespa, mm-hmm.
1: and she we establish even before we take off the hat in this scene, we establish that this episode is all about cats because Haruko acts like a cat here, right? She doesn't pay any attention to Nauta until he says the right thing. And then when he gets her attention, she almost immediately stops paying attention to him again until he turns away. And then she's like, oh, did you did you want to hang out with me? Like, I it's got to be on my terms at all times, which that's my experience with cats. Uh, you're a cat person, Ben. Is that how they act?
2: Yeah, some cats. Some cats. Some cat.
1: <laughs> Hashtag not all
0: cats. Let's not group all cats together, okay?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love this scene. There's... Uh, uh, Haruko refers to Kemon for the first time as Monchan, and now to like perplex for just a second. But a little sign pops up to explain mm-hmm. to him that it's she's referring to his father. Just Oscar, awesome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that vest was not normal because he he she says to him like she's like it's a normal vest, but it like backfires. He's like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a normal vest Just, just look for yourself. But she whistled for that shit, and it came to her. Yeah. So I think that's what she was setting up. I think she was like rigging it so like it like follows commands and shit.
1: Yeah. Very Silver Surfer. Very, uh, hi ho
3: yeah. Silver.
0: <laughs> hi ho Silver Surfer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she calls him the. Well, she says uh, that she's gonna make the little prince curry. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's a real brand but it is for kids. It's in a smaller packet. Does that mean necessarily
1: that it's less spicy? Like it sounds like it's a brand, right? Yeah. So they'd have different
0: varieties. Yeah, it is <laughs> <laughs> It is branded for children. But um one of the other things I observed about this episode, and maybe this is the case of the whole series, but there's always like a second conversation happening below the surface conversation, mm-hmm. like, which is very, Typical of like the high courts of feudal Japan and all that. But so the little prince, I had to look this up. The story follows a young prince who visits various planets in space, including earth, and uh, addresses Ooh. themes of loneliness, friendship, love, and loss. Huh? That's very fuli Despite its style as a children's book, the little prince makes observations about life and human nature.
2: Whoa. Have you guys read the little prince? mm hmm it's like a French book. I, I just um, reread it this spring. It's a super sad book. Like, it's ostensibly a children's book, but it involves the little prince wanting to commit suicide at the end um, because he has, like, guilt about, like, leaving this, like, rose that he's, like, sort of in love with, and he's, like, afraid that he, like, neglected it, and he can, like, never get back to his home planet and then he's like, oh, the snake told me if I let him bite me like at just the right time, then I'll like go back to my planet. And there's this like pilot trying to like convince him not to do it.
0: What the hell? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We, so we can
2: cut podcast. it, but it's, it's like a super, it's a really interesting book. And it's uh, the author, I think he was French and he was like an Air Force pilot in World War Two, And it's like kind of based on his experience, like- crash landing his plane and then i think after writing the book he like went back to being a pilot and at some point just you know like amelia earharted or like died in a plane crash or something like
1: that. Oh wow, how tragic, how dramatically ironic. Isn't Puss in Boots a French fable? I think it's French. I couldn't pin down if it was Italian first or French first, but it's probably French based on that because they love their theming in mm-hmm. these episodes. So Probably all the references are from France. That's fucking wild. France, famously uh, the birthplace of a lot of forms of communism.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Communism. Speaking of communism, Alex. Yeah, so we...
1: Her Nauta is supposed to be at rehearsal, I but he's skipped. And we get morning. to see Nina you know Mori for the first time there. wearing a USSR you're shirt. Nauta, the USSR had disbanded you know, at this point in role. history, right? This is, I assume this is set when it was released, right? It's about late 90s, 2000. But the, the USSR was gone. And so the only reason to wear that shirt would be as either a joke or as like a rebellious flair. That or they
3: just had some free merch, like... <laughs> it's like, we got all this free shit. We don't have
1: anything to do with it, we're it's done. <laughs> free giveaway. Uh, but she's a nouveau riche princess, which is also French. And she has access to whatever clothing, whatever consumable she wants. I think her dress is always very particular. She chooses
0: it. I don't know.
1: It's just awesome. Sorry. I'm oh, no, no. Face. You're on it.
0: Can you tell the audience what, what is nouveau riche? Uh, nouveau riche just means
1: new rich. So literally translated, but it means new money. So that means that her father, her family doesn't come from money, but because of her father's political connections, they do have money now.
0: So the secretary's jab, uh, if I understand right, it's an insult. Like you have money, but because it's new money, you're tacky.
1: Probably a little bit there, okay. yeah. It's funny, maybe she doesn't understand it as a jab, or maybe she's trying to reappropriate, oh man, maybe she is trying to reappropriate things, just like the USSR shirt. Uh, when she's talking to Nauta coming up, she says, uh, before going to their house, uh, she says, I'm a nouveau riche princess. We can go wherever we want. I've got money.
0: Mm. So that would seem like the opposite of uh, Mamimi. It's like, this, is, this would be the second time by my observation that classism has sort of come up.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And Mamimi's kind of relegated to the side in this Episode whereas she's around the house and part of the main plot in the previous episodes. This time she's just down by the bridge, and we only get two scenes with her.
0: Maybe the communism reference isn't so far fetched.
1: Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I lost our place. No, it's fine. Um, so in the classroom scene, what's his name? Gaku, I think. I don't know, it might be the other one, but one of Nauta's friends has came on Zine. Uh, that he's printed up. I didn't get a good glimpse at it, so I don't know what it was actually covering, but it seemed to me that in it, Kaemon reveals that Mr. Ninomori, uh, Ari's father, is having an affair with his secretary. Gaku thinks that, I don't think Gaku's even looking at that article. I think he's- focused on something else in the zine but it gets uh confiscated by the teacher and then the teacher starts yelling about how embarrassing it is for nina mori <laughs> like no one in the class knew what was happening until she starts yelling
2: yeah so so i was looking up because um, they do flash it on the screen and so i think it's saying stuff about like the mayor he's had like various affairs with young women he's getting divorced and then there's stuff about like the arsons going on in the town So i think it's like uh <laughs> Kind of like, and and there's this line later on where she's like, I don't care if my dad gets arrested or something like that. So I think it's like just kind of like corruption, scandal, and this super sensationalized thing. And we, we can get to it later. But um, I think my idea from watching it this time around is that maybe it doesn't say anything specifically about the secretary. It's speculative. But then Mamimi um, actually leaks this stuff about the secretary to try to mess up that relationship in hopes of getting her mother back with her father. Uh, uh, Nina Mori does. Uh, Nina Mori, sorry.
1: Yeah, oh, that makes perfect sense because she's all nice, nice with the secretary, but you know, it comes out that she doesn't like her at all. She even, thanks, came on in a coming up scene, right? She's like, thanks for getting rid of the secretary for me. Uh, and they make a reference to, is it the same in, I'm watching the dub, is anybody watching the sub? I usually watch both. So is the line still about Crystal Pepsi? Uh,
2: no, it's like Cheerio or something yeah, like that. Like Some other soda. obscure software. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, Cheerio was the Japanese soda that was discontinued.
1: Okay. Uh, so we go down to the river and play with uh, Mamimi, who not only has a cat, but is also dressed like a cat. Uh, yeah. She's got makeup on and fake ears. And Nauta has skipped... Rehearsal where he would be playing a cat to instead hang out with Mamimi, who wants to play a cat. They just kind of fool around a little bit—not like making out, but uh, they're just like playing together. And then she takes off of his hat and says, "The The king's King's ears ears are really
2: really donkey's ears."
1: And then she's surprised to actually find non-human ears under the hat. But donkey's ears is a reference to King Midas. Uh, who has a, uh, a run-in with like, a- anyways, it's an old Greek myth, but he ends up angering Apollo and Apollo curses him with donkey ears uh, and he keeps them under a hat, but a barber... Uh, ends up seeing them, uh, who's sworn to secrecy by Midas, uh, but can't keep it in. So he goes to like a riverbed, puts his head under the water and just yells that the king has ears and a spirit floating by hears it and then whispers it to everyone in the kingdom. Not exactly parallel, but it's kind of like came on whispering the secrets about the mayor to the rest of the town.
0: Was this also the scene, I think it was like a cut scene in between Two other scenes: uh mm-hmm. Nina Mori uh, down by the river playing with her cat. It's like this. My mimi. Yeah, it's like a sexual innuendo. She's laying on her back, and her cat. Is she's down like by her weird. Yeah. You know, the cat is down by her crotch, and I'm not gonna say it, but she's playing with her cat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh,
0: so I, I noticed a lot of sexual innuendos like this. She's making the whole mm. face too. Like it's it's
1: really weird. I had a double take. Because
3: I didn't know that the cat at first, I thought she was actually like playing with herself. I was like, I didn't notice that the first time I watched
1: this. It happens pretty quick. Uh, And the last thing I knew about this scene was that Mamimi says uh, she used to do school plays, was embarrassed by them, but she was happy because her parents came to see her together. And I wondered if Mamimi's parents are separated too, or if they just don't like each other, which is, you know, a common problem with uh, poor households.
2: Yeah, and I guess... Kind of foreshadowing uh, Nina Mori's plan too, mm-hmm. and just on the on the cat theme. So when they're in the classroom too, you know so you, they really don't waste a second. So the teacher is teaching them a lesson about cats and why cats purr. Something to do with like suckling on the. The
1: mother, or something like that. Oh, how interesting! Uh, yeah, I noticed that. And she names. She says like the cat family includes, and she said, names a couple of domestic cats, and then she names bigger cats like lions and tigers, and then she says, and even fictional cats like Draymond. <laughs> you no, know, those aren't part of the same genealogical family.
2: That's awesome. So after the kind of cat ear photo shoot down by the river, where do we go next after that?
1: Uh, Nina Mori wanders into the Crystal Pepsi shop and she meets Kaymon for the first time. And I think that's, maybe that's where she, oh no, that's not where she thinks. him. that's where she gives him the additional information, right? I mean, I don't think she says it, but that has to be where it happened.
2: Yeah, I think, and I think, so she's, because Nauta has skipped school or skipped the play, I guess mm-hmm. she's going to Nauta's house to find him, probably. Oh. But then she ends up finding the guy who's printing all of this stuff about her dad. And and yeah, I assume there's some sort of conversation that happens here, which is then what they reference in the shower scene later yeah, on. Yeah, he's
3: talking mm-hmm. to someone about that article, the scene, like something happening that'll even increase, like, sales for
2: crystal pepsi yeah because in the classroom right they're like oh i got this at the shop the one that has the, uh, the, crystal, the pepsi. crystal pepsi and then he's like oh yeah my next article you know it'll it'll bring so many people to the store you'll sell, sell out of the crystal pepsi. <laughs> Wait, so was was that okay.
3: his dad mm-hmm. oh, came so on on. Came on. okay
1: So then she goes on a walk, I guess, and she does find Nauta, right? No, he finds her. I'm sorry. She plays delinquent at the next rehearsal, and Nauta finds her. He's walking around, uh, and it was there. She's sitting on like some stairs. I don't know if they were the entrance to uh, a metro station or something, but he starts making fun of her because he's been called the delinquent and derelict the whole time, and now she's skipping stuff. And is she drinking Crystal Pepsi?
2: <laughs> I think so. I think probably just to bring it full circle. she does
3: get sick, like not too well, like a little while after that. I thought it was the like what she was drinking that made her sick. I was confused. I was like, is his ears like really making her like nauseous, or did was it the the drink that she was drinking? Like when he when he sees her.
1: Hmm. What happens next? Oh, okay. And then Nauta says, "Oh no, I'm actually waiting on someone." And anyway, Haruko shows up on her Vespa, but right before oh, she gets there, there to park, is. a cat. This episode really is all about kids. Like, they drive the plot of the episode. Uh, it gets in the way, and in order to not hit it, she spins out and causes, like, a 20-car pileup behind her, which, you know, it's a cartoon, so we don't have to focus on All those people but... die. All those people die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
3: We witnessed a tragedy. <laughs> like, everyone's
1: dead. No one survived that. <laughs> she ends up hitting Nauta again with the Vespa and sending him flying. And then that's when Nauta and Nina Mori have their unintentional, I don't think they actually kiss because it it does that matrix thing and they slow down yeah. as they come towards each that. other and <laughs> he's in mid air. And I think both of them blush as they get closer and then they just hit each other in the forehead. Uh, and there's even this little flash or like, as they connect, there's this little red flash, which is the same red flash that Naota gets when something is coming out, about to come out of his oh. head, and so it kind of foreshadows that he has passed on the the No portal to her mm-hmm. head for the time being.
2: Nice, yeah. Just process that as like red pain, but I think you're totally right. I think that's kind of like the lore explanation for then why she gets the the No channel.
0: I do respect that they probably spent their animation budget on this scene rather than the next fight at the end (laughs) like naota (laughs) is spinning the camera's rotating and moving horizontally at the same time (laughs) it's freaking crazy
3: he's doing a matrix move
2: (laughs) and that is like one of my least favorite anime tropes is the like fall grope or whatever like that kind of like meet cute trip and hit each other so i -hmm. kind of do like this like (laughs) no like if you like crash into someone you don't like kiss them (laughs) and like oh
3: so then that explains why she's sick because it's the the
1: the portal transfers to her. Mm-hmm. Okay. No! Um, and the mech that comes out of her head uh, is the, or has a stomach problem too. <laughs> so they collide and Ninamori sees the cat ears. And she's like, where did these come from? What are they, what are they doing here? And uh, Haruko, I just love, she has one line. Ninamori asks, what kind of ears are they? And Haruko answers, kitty kitty Meow. <laughs> And just like wriggles around on the ground it's great but uh i guess in payment for nearly killing both of them maruko gives them a ride back to nauta's place uh and they have dinner right
0: great scene yeah with some curry
1: they oh yeah they're all having curry and although they're all eating little prince brand curry they're all eating different varieties of it. So like Nauta's and the father's and the grandfather's seem to be like the spiciest variety. Whereas Ninomori seems to be eating a, something normal.
2: Yeah, she, I think she's eating the little prince one um, intended for Nauta, but instead it's some New York vacation, <laughs> super spicy curry.
0: <laughs> I just thought it was cool that Ninomori calls out the oddities. That are occurring, like they have a robot. Yeah. No, it's the TV. It's walking. It's a Walkman. Eating. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that robot
1: eating?
2: <laughs> so something that this just came to me while I'm like thinking back about this. But so the dad is acting really weird in this scene, right? There's, he's pretending not to know Nina Mori, right? And so I mm-hmm. think I think Nina Mori gave him gossip, but I'm wondering what what did she get in return for that. And I think she set up the sleepover. That that was uh,
1: her way of getting into the house. Cause she was already ingratiated with, oh right, he's like, Adamant, he's like, she can stay here uh, tonight, and like the first explanation he gives is a little off. So he even like backtracks. He's like, I mean, like until she feels comfortable, of course she could stay here tonight. Wow, you're brilliant.
2: Yeah, and and there's a part later on where I think she's like, like he's he's like, oh, you're really sleeping over, and then she's like, yeah, that's what we decided. I mean, that's what your your dad called already. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nate did
1: you have
3: something yeah it was the the county eating like what is up with the robot so I didn't get a good look at what he was making in the beginning of the episode the red box that he was putting together like he finds pieces from the Mm -hmm. I think it was from like that wreckage where the incident went down it's his head it's the back piece of his head right yeah okay
0: he's like embarrassed or something right
1: Yeah, because he's always putting something over it. It's like a box. or (laughs) Wouldn't you be? It's like being naked. The back of your head being open.
0: (laughs) It's almost like that weird hat that uh, K-Mon gives Nina Mori to keep the soap out of her eyes. Oh, the ring thing? -hmm.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of hats in this episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hats and cats. It's a damn conspiracy. Uh, So the grandpa drowns in his curry. And then... What's her name? Nina Mori takes a shower, and Kaemon's kind of pervy with her, but does offer her a shower cap.
3: Yeah, the thing to keep the soap out of her eyes. He's mm-hmm. using the creepy, sexy um, voice with with a kid. In it's the, just in the that shower. one
1: line. Yeah, he says, "You're very mature."
0: Yeah. <laughs> you're like, nope,
1: that's a red
3: flag. <laughs> Gross.
0: Yeah, so this reminded me of the whole Shogunate double meaning, like court conversation. Like, mm. uh, you're very mature for your age, so. First impression he's being pervy but she immediately picks up that they're going to be talking about this political scandal with her father
1: uh and it's the same line that the secretary says at the beginning of the mm-hmm. episode right like almost verbatim you're very mature for your age mm.
3: it makes it even worse that you don't see him that every time like he speaks they're just showing this like window and it's completely dark <laughs> you're just hearing his voice
1: oh like- <gasps>
0: He's the whispering r- river spirit.
3: <laughs> Telling everything right now.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. He is the whispering river spirit.
3: <gasps> shower, the water.
1: Mm, oh my gosh. The water symbol is, that's why you can't see him and why there's water. Oh my gosh, that's
0: brilliant. <laughs> and maybe the grandpa wasn't drowning. He was
1: <laughs> water. <laughs>
0: Screaming into the curry, into the water <laughs> like, like the barber, Midas's barber.
1: I can't get a dog here. So, when Naota gets up to his room, uh, uh Ninamori's already in there, she's wearing a pair of his clothes. I guess she didn't bring her own, although I don't know. She brings like her own extra clothes, her own costume to school. You'd think maybe she'd also have an extra pair of clothes with her since this was her plan, but, anyways, um. This scene really gets me and maybe because, I don't know, it makes more sense to me. Like in the first episode, especially, we got those two fantasy scenes, right? We had like uh, with Haruko, we had um, uh, our fantasy setups. She's a nurse and then she's the housekeeper, right? Well, this scene is also like a common young person's probably mostly young male fantasy, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, well, this this girl who's about my age, for some reason she can't go home and uh, there isn't enough room so she has to spend the night in my room. And like, yeah, like I thought about that stuff when I was that age. And it really makes like sense. she's like kind
3: of putting a swerve on him. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, she it's, it's not completely one-sided but she's more aggressive than she, he is. Uh, she makes more of a move than he does. And he's actually surprised whenever his unintended motions actually land. Uh, like she, they eventually sit next to each other on the bed and he absentmindedly like leans his head over onto her shoulder. And when her shoulder's there and doesn't give way, he freaks the mm-hmm. fuck out. Whereas like, that's actually like a really sweet little thing that happened. But in in the context that's happening, that they're both thinking about uh, uh, their young, I don't know, sexuality, I guess. It, it could be alarming. Yeah.
0: Uh, There's a lot that's uh, very intentionally sexually provocative in this episode. Uh, And it's relevant, you know, it's a part of the story.
2: And and she is being a little, like, she is kind of, like, flirting with him, right? Like, she puts her hand on his hand, and, and, you know, she's talking through her whole plan, but, but really she's just trying to get him to be the cat in this play. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like her, her end game. And, and in fact, there's this whole thing, she's wearing the glasses and you know, it's kind of like this intimate moment where she shows this side to him that she doesn't normally show most people. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, we learn that that was a lie, oh, right?
1: Oh <laughs> my gosh, she orchestrated the entire mm-hmm. thing.
0: Yeah, she's playing like four dimensional chess.
1: Mm-hmm. So she reveals to him this secret, right, which isn't a secret, but then she reveals to him a real secret, that she rigged the votes.
3: Yeah, but why him as the cat? Does she have like a thing, like, does she have a thing for him, or... Oh,
0: yeah, I think is so. Is there something... Oh, yeah. Okay, so it is like, okay, I
3: thought, I thought that. She's kind of crushing on him, she's like, she wants him to be hers. Oh, dear God. she she's, she's pretty much getting her cake and eating it too, like, she gets her parents together for her play... She gets the boy she likes as the the second lead in the play, and she gets the lead? Damn,
0: man. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and most specifically, like like you hit it on the head, he's the second lead. Like, she, he, he's the lead, right? He's Puss in Boots, but he's the character that's subservient to her. He has to do what she says. And I think Mew Miu in this scene, and I think Mew Mew does not approve. I, yeah. I wrote that down, but I can't remember what shot made me think that.
2: Yeah, I think... At the beginning of this scene, I think Miu is in her lap, and she's just kind of like petting it while like talking to him. so I guess in the middle of her revealing her secrets, we have the um same kind of myth thing happening again in that uh Haruko overhears and uh learns learns their secrets. she's been on the sitting on the second the top bunk of the bunk bed the whole time. Yeah, she acts as
1: a wonderful kind of conduit for emotions because her interfering and kind of goading Nina Mori along, we get to see that Nina Mori does really like Naota. It's not all just the act. It's not all just about the play and her parents because she like swallows her emotions, but looking at them together, she gets really upset.
2: Yeah, so Haruka kind of is trying to make her jealous or something like that goes to kiss Naota and then we have like one of the most confusing transitions where she kind of leans in for the kiss and then finishes the kiss and then suddenly like everyone is at school including Conti the robot and at first I was like this must be like a dream sequence right this is like Naota's having a dream and uh, then we're gonna like he's gonna wake up from this like school nightmare or something. But uh, no, it seems like it just continues from there.
1: I can't remember. I wonder if there are any dream sequences in the show. Like, it seems to be you don't need them because <laughs> right. of the, the fluid reality of it. But yeah, they're at school and they are supposed to have, I guess this is supposed to be their dress rehearsal because everyone is dressed up in at least half costume except Nauta. He is upset that Haruko's there. He's upset that Kanti's there. He's upset that they're giving him curry for lunch and he refuses to be any part of the show.
2: So that that escalates into him and Nina Mori getting into an argument. He's like, your costume is embarrassing. Your hat is dumb. And she's like, oh yes, if that's dumb, what do you call this? And reveals his his ears. Dun, dun, dun. And then he reveals her secret that uh, she rigged the elections. Then she has kind of her overflowing moment
1: Yeah I love that exchange like the stakes go higher and higher for what kind of secret they're revealing about each other to hurt the other person or to put the other person off kilter and she yells at him he says like no one cares about this like this play is stupid it doesn't matter at all and she yells my parents are going to be here together to see and like that's what she's been trying to do from the very beginning just get her fucking parents to be in the same room together.
0: I was, I had to look up what Puss in Boots was all about. And uh, after reading the description, I have to conclude that this argument is calculated. Like it's a part of Nina Mori's plan uh, because it's something that happens in the Puss in Boots story. You know, it's this game of theater and trickery and outmaneuvering and this cat You know escalates a conflict with an ogre and gets it to turn into a mouse and then puss in boots (laughs) devours the mouse (laughs) and gets what it wants but like um you know she reveals this thing at the sleepover you know like she's got these glasses and you know spoiler they're fake but there's a message that you know there's things you don't know about people there's other stuff going on Mm -hmm. and what would seem like a childish fixation on the play turns out to have very significant personal meaning
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's not all. There's there's a whole lot more going on.
2: Yeah, and and I guess kind of throughout this show, we have to You know, he doesn't want to be a child, right? He wants to like grow up, and he wants to put away all of his childish things. And then you know maybe the show is kind of pushing back against that a little bit. You know that this childish thing, this like dumb school play you know, does have this meaning for um, Nina Mori. And like, you know, when Mamimi's talking about it and thinking back about her own school plays. she's like, yeah, they were embarrassing and they were dumb. But like, now it's a a good memory or whatever.
1: Absolutely. Because her parents were together, right? The exact same thing. Because, you know, time does run out and people do lose these opportunities, right? Boom.
0: This gets exactly to my impression of the show right now. So... Uh, it feels like adulthood is this coming apocalypse, and everyone's running out of time. And there's something about that that's approaching that they don't understand, and it's going to be at least catastrophic to childhood. So um, with Nina Mori, it's this facing the reality of adult relationships and what her, whatever it is that her parents are going through. And then for Naota, it's a whole other complicated bag of things. But as this scene escalates, what happens? The frickin' spider mech comes out of her head. Yeah, and it's again very sexually provocative. Like initially, now not now. Yeah, Naota, he gets attacked by her crotch, and it's literally using her body as a weapon. Right, the whole the sh- the shorts come mm-hmm. off you know, Conti gets them back on. And Conti, ever the gentleman, as like the
1: embodiment of Nauta's possible adulthood, he like protects her dignity over yeah. his own safety. It's awesome. Yeah.
0: So the spider mech isn't a spider mech though. So I, I shared the screenshot with you guys. It's this weird ball thing. <laughs> and it has three mm-hmm. legs that look like a part of scissors. Mm-hmm. In my head Canon it's like... a the unrecognizable prospect of adulthood. It's this big thing that you don't recognize and it's powerful, <laughs> but uh, like, like, what is this thing? It looks like a fruit,
1: like a melon. Yeah. Uh, and then it unfolds into a flower. And with like the sexual imagery, it works perfectly.
3: It kind of looks like an eye. Like on the top, there is like a little fixed eye on it. So you know, on, uh, what is it, uh, Marvel movie, Avengers, the the second one. No, it's the yeah, it's the no, it's the first one. It's the first movie. You know the little device that uh Luke uses to like remove that guy's eye. That's what it kind of looks like. If you just left the little pincer thing in an eyeball like stuck in it. that's what it kind of reminds me of.
0: I apologize if this is too explicit, but uh, it does remind me of when my daughter was born and the doctor had to use uh, these sort of forceps to go in and grab the baby's head. Yeah, and it was forcing. The birth to happen. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I'm reading too much into that, but it kind of reinforces my theme of impending adulthood. Mm -hmm.
2: Just, and I don't know if this is anything either, but saying that it looks kind of like a giant eye, we do get this one shot where like her head is covered in darkness and we see kind of that uh, possession eye that we saw (laughs) in episode one, but it's just one eye. So, we see like one glowing eye and then darkness. So, like, maybe that thing could be the other eye. Or oh,
1: something. and she stays connected to it in a more visceral manner than Nauta stays connected to his mm-hmm. robots. They more come out of his head and then they do stuff, whereas she's stuck to it.
2: Well, so, so in the past, when we've seen, you know, the medical mechanica plant steam and stuff grow out of people's heads. It's like kind of been in these situations where like, I think we're, we're not quite sure what's going on. Is it like them being like turned on or is it just someone blowing an emotional gasket? You know, she wants to like control him or whatever, but then this is like finally him, like kind of like standing up for himself pushing back against her. And then like, maybe that's like the moment she's kind of like actually like into him or something.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> so maybe it's It's that moment of confusion between sexuality or arousal and another emotion. She
3: does like, this weird moan thing just before she turns to. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of the same one Mimi does on the bridge in, uh, in episode one.
3: Trusty says she's going to overflow.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, which is a repeated. Um symbol or or, or phrasing Um uh, Mamimi says the same thing yeah uh after a short encounter they uh, uh Haruko and Kanti kind of grab Naota and get out of there the teacher focusing on the wrong thing again yells at them for running in the hallway and then herself gets hit by I think the Vespa coming down the hallway As Haruko whistles for it it comes running for her and then they meet up on the roof where they have their kind of climactic battle. The tripod, the the bulbous part unfolds into this flower shape. And then his curry lunch ends up in the top of the, ro- <laughs> the bulb robot. And that's what makes it sick to its mm-hmm. stomach. And they even say the same line. It looks like it's in distress. And Haruko hey, says, restroom? That way. <laughs>
0: I guess it's just a little bit of physical comedy but like before they go up on the roof Naoto gets knocked into another classmate and his head gets stuck between her breasts or I guess it's the teacher <laughs> It's just he's just in the background like struggling to get out
1: <laughs> poor everyone man y- this this episode is the, the pacing is a, a bit strange but it's wonderful because like the big robot fight it doesn't take very long and it's kind of anticlimactic because the climax is really the the classroom scene there where they're yelling at each other. And since we've already gone through that, we don't really have to spend a whole lot of time on this action sequence like we have in mm-hmm. the previous episodes. Just a little fan service. Yeah, uh, and so it wraps up rather quickly. They defeat the tripod monster. Minamori is saved. Homeworld's doing that weird, touchy thing with the cat. Wait, what?
3: It's during this fight she's doing the weird
1: thing with the cat. And a great continuity shot too, right? Now to get uh, eaten by Conti again, they have their combined red form into the howitzer. That's what uh, takes out the bulb robot. And then the big explosion, we see it from Mamimi's perspective, right? Which is just an awesome thing to be like, oh, by the way, (laughs) Mamimi's still hanging out under the bridge. And then we have the play, right? And everything seems to have gone off uh, without any problems. Uh, the the teacher is grievously injured. She has like a head bandage and one of her eyes is covered. Uh, it looks just like Asuka um, when she gets injured in the Ava uh, mm-hmm. movie. And Naota, he gets into the cat outfit and he does the play with her and nina mori ends up getting everything she always wanted just like most rich people and looking like the pimpest
3: person
0: on the planet that's super dope does
3: a little little thing
1: with the glasses
0: too yeah that's the last the last line of the episode is like the glasses they're They're fake fake.
1: (laughs) oh just for one more reveal one more little detective
0: moment right i think her message there is like everything is theater
1: um, oh, kind of like the porcupine thing, uh, or I'm sorry, hedgehog's dilemma. Like, you can only get so close to someone. Uh, it's the same thing, right? You can only take off so many masks, because even if you're being completely honest with someone, you can't give them your thoughts. You can't, like, show them your experience. So... Yeah, this is probably my favorite episode. Uh, It's definitely my favorite episode thus far. I love anything, you know, like hinting at communism or leftist political theory. A little bit of France in there, a little bit of Russia. I love it. Yeah, it just leaves me very, at at the risk of sounding pervy, satisfied.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm impressed. I'm impressed at like... How the whole episode had this theme and they just wove all those pieces together, everything reinforces the theme. It's impressive. Mm. Yeah. Very central. Looks good the entire way. Like
3: even the coloring and everything, like their color choices for costumes. She comes off kind of evil. Nina Mori, the first time you see her, the red shirt and the black skirt, like that whole lineup. She kind of looks like a villain. I like that the uh, you get like this different tone. You see why she's doing the stuff she's doing. She's not really a villain, she's just a girl who wants her parents to be there for her.
1: That's awesome. Well, the colors of anarcho communism are red and black, so. And then the rest of the time, she's, I guess, what like
3: you would see like the regular kids like dress in, and sometimes the school uniform. It's like almost like she's wearing a costume this entire time. Like, you never really get to see her. The only time you see her is in the first, like when you first see her and she's in the car. Mm. Uh-huh. The rest of the time, she doesn't seem like the same person. She's cute and adorable the first time you meet her. Then she kind of looks like a villain the first time you see her talking to Nauta, The first time she's talking to him. She's coming on to uh, Nauta super hard in his room. She's dressed in like like the fantasy girl type. He even calls out the fact that she's wearing glasses. And I don't think it's the... Oh, I didn't know she wears glasses. It's the whole nerdy girl with glasses like, kind of fantasy thing going on. And then the mm. last time you see her... She's in a very, like, strong, like, stance, you know what I'm saying, with the pimp suit on, and she's wearing the glass. She's like, oh, yeah, this shit? Nothing. Fuck you. <laughs> the the whole telling of Puss in Boots is this dude, like, pretending to be something he's not until he isn't. Oh, so
1: she's, like, living that reality. She's living that reality. That's awesome. And I just noticed that the secretary's color scheme is also... Red and black?
0: Yeah. There's some other weird stuff going on. So... When Nina Mori, when you f- first see the a full body shot, she's wearing the boots. She's the Puss in Boots, the N- Nouveau Riche boots, um, and that ties into the fable. Like the cat convinces the king to go for a swim in the river, steals the clothes to then orchestrate this big scheme.
1: Nauta is cast as uh, Puss in Boots, and in a way, he is Nina Mori's an unwitting portal through which Nina Mori gets into this this world of fantasy and intrigue that Nauta exists in. But uh, Nina Mori is the one pulling the strings, who is leading the plot and causing everything to happen. So in from one perspective, she's the marquee, but from another perspective, she's Puss in Boots.
2: So I had, a, I had a kind of two-part... Well, anyway, I don't need to explain how my thought got there, but I was realizing I forgot to say so that music during the battle scene in this episode, it is very different than a lot of the rest of the soundtrack, right? Like, we go from this kind of grungy guitar sound to then this kind of orchestral classical thing. And I was looking that up, and it's this song called... I think it's, like, Comedians Gallop, but it was music written for this play called The Inventor and the Comedians. And... Oh, I guess Alex just left. I need to wait for him to come back because it looks it's, like uh, a Russian, yeah, Soviet yeah. play. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I did feel like it. It does kind of remind me of like a like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah, or absolutely. Something.
3: Like the characters are chasing each other around the room, or it kind of gave me like this home alone feel.
2: I guess I felt the same way when the secretary is putting on the costumes and stuff. That that's almost like Looney Tune style gags or something, right? You know, she's going up from the manhole, and her costume keeps changing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the wiki says it's, it was for the children's, the Central Children's Theater in Moscow, and it was about the German inventor Johann Gutenberg and the group of traveling buffoons. So it was like a kids' production.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Sorry,
1: I just had to pee for a second. I'll, I'll cut that out, but. My apologies for not hearing that whole
2: thing. Did Did you hear that it's a Soviet play? Fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, Alex, how is your uh, Russian
0: pronunciation?
1: Uh, as good as anybody else's.
0: I put the name of the composer in the group chat. Dmitri Uh That sounds good to me. It's a
1: it's pretty beautiful name. Very strong. Very Russian. <laughs> yeah. The just
0: the observation I had was um, like the scene leading up to the the conflict in the school, the classmates. Several of them are in different states of costuming. And one of them is dressed as the mouse that's in the Puss in Boots story. And um, I I, I didn't recognize what the costumes were just because I don't know that story very well. But looking at the robot and seeing why Conti was there and had the weird box thing, it seemed like Conti was going to be the ogre.
1: That's awesome. Because in the story, the
0: ogre is this giant thing, bigger than everybody else.
1: Plans within plans. Nina Mori needed to get Conti to school somehow. (laughs) (laughs) real schemer that girl anything anybody wants to plug especially Nate for gracing us with his presence real quick did you guys know there are two other seasons to
0: yeah. Progressive and alternative.
3: Yeah. I didn't know that before. I was trying to look up <laughs> this season. And it was like. Yeah. They,
0: those seasons came out much later. So they're not from Studio Gynax, But it was still really, really big news in the anime community. Because uh, it's, you know, it's a beloved show. Has a cult following only six episodes and like what was it 11 years later oh wow i haven't seen them but i do know that the the fans of hooli Coolie were pretty excited about that What's and- like a good 10 minutes of the first episode
3: of alternative no progressive huh? how was it oh uh, it's good it, it i think it takes okay. a more serious approach <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but it's really good
0: well the bar's pretty high so like the people that were disappointed like I put it in the context of like when you have a show that moves the genre forward uh, and is so innovative, it's hard to meet expectations. But uh, the good news was that, um, you know, there's now hope that a lot of older things uh, that never got resolved, like, say, like Megazone 23, uh, are now in the realm of what's possible.
3: I hope we're getting you <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like the other shocker was like fruits basket got a redo.
3: What?
2: (laughs) Everything's coming back.
0: Oh yeah, anything that was like twenty years old is
1: coming back because that's the nostalgia cycle.
2: Tried and true, pre-tested. New generation hasn't seen it. Crank out a new version with some sweet new technology to animate it. (laughs) All
0: right. Oh, hold on, hold on. Now, like normally I would be totally on board with because I'm very cynical about cash grab things. But like in the case of like Fruits Basket or Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, I feel like uh, that there was maybe more heart and soul into those because they, they did their sources better than uh, than the first run. Brotherhood was magic. Yeah, like uh, like the first one, it deserved better. And I think Brotherhood del- delivered on that.
1: So they're the exceptions that prove the rule?
0: Oh, yeah. I think so. Well,
2: awesome. I, I'm not basing my opinion on anything. I'm just being... Yeah. Grandlessly cynical <laughs>
0: <laughs> no uh, avatar the last airbender uh lots mm. of reasons to be cynical about that
1: cool uh so nate was there anything you wanted to plug or can you just give us our your info again in case people want to check out your work
0: um i haven't put anything
3: uh out in a minute but i've got some stuff coming up again you can find me on instagram facebook and youtube at art by midnight and that's midnight m-i-d-n-i-t-e and if you're lucky, if you look up Nate Smothers on YouTube, you can find some of my old AMVs for the Boondocks. Awesome. Nice. Search by name and type in Red Balloon.
2: Rock and roll. And our uh, show art this season is by Nate, right? And, and if it's not, we can cut that <laughs> <up.
3: laughs> <laughs> out. I've actually, I've actually worked like mocking up like designs now. I was, I did one like really quick while we were watching the show. I was sitting here driving. Hey, Nate, how long
0: does it take you to put together an AMV? When I was using Windows
3: Movie Maker, I could do it within like two days.
0: Okay. I just got this new program.
3: I'm not really familiar with it, so I've been doing like time lapse videos with it, uh, which is also on my Art by Midnight uh, page if you want to check those out too. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh,. When i was doing yeah like two days especially if it's like a song like a show mm-hmm. that i'm like i watch religiously uh which was the boondocks at the time i am the stone that the builder refused i am the visual the inspiration that made ladies sing the blues I'm i would just like to sure. say you guys have been a big part of my tuesdays and i can't wait for you guys to be a big part of my tuesdays again i've been like dying like i have, I wait for you guys episodes like every week that was um, i get super excited. Like, <laughs> There's not much that's going on in my life, so Tuesday is is, is the big day. I get right. pen pen pals. <laughs> <laughs> so I listen to you guys like on my way to work, or, like on my commute to work, and then when I get off of work, there's still time left over, like in the episode, so I can listen to it like on the way home. And like, you guys are my Tuesday. That's day. That's the are my day. <laughs> that's
2: awesome. Yeah. It's really sweet, man.
1: Well, that's going in the episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, do you have any recommendations? OK, so there's a few things. Uh, my
3: daughter recommended to me, and she'll she'll go crazy. if you get, Even if you guys didn't like watch it, if you checked it out, it's Terror in Resonance. Oh, my god. That's the name of the anime. My daughter was like, Dad, you need to watch this. So I was like, OK, I check out the trailer. This shit looks fucking amazing.
0: <laughs> Shinshiro Watanabe. Um would Bebop. Space Dandy. Samurai Shampoo
3: Another, which is also a really good anime. It's short. I think it's like twenty something episodes, which follows this cursed class at a small village. Yeah, psychological horror, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, mess me up. I will never watch that anime. Yet. But I recommend that you guys watch it. Who?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh! Han. <laughs> cool. Ten.
0: Ten. House. There Oody he <laughs> Hi, this is Brian again with a post-pod PSA. It's common for children of divorce to have details withheld and have ugly details revealed in adulthood. These dynamics can affect our attachment, intimacy, security, identity, and ability to trust. If this is an experience you have and would like to change, my email is brian at lifejutsu.com. Just type "pen, pen pals" in the subject line. The first session is free.